welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast where you'll hear from the world's most innovative general counsel and their leadership teams for their insights into the running of a Fortune 500 in-house legal department. The challenges, the wins, the roadblocks, the journey to date, and most importantly, what lies ahead. Let's get into the show. Hello, listeners. Nathan Collier with you here today. AI is a topic that is, it's just seemingly everywhere. I was on a call with a a GC yesterday and we were talking about, you know, this topic and how there's just, there's so much noise in the market about what AI is doing, what it will do, uh, and all the various changes that that people are trying to predict uh, into the future in the legal ecosystem just as a whole. And so uh, we wanted to bring you some, some voices on this topic. And so the conversation you're about to hear today is it's a fascinating discussion about AI and, and specifically about AI, how AI is changing and how it might continue to change the relationship between in-house teams and and their law firms. And so you're going to hear from Chris Grant, Head of Legal Market Engagement from HSBC, David Cunningham, Chief Innovation Officer at Reed Smith, and then Sean Monahan, Senior Director of Data Modernization from HBR Consulting. The three of them joined Maui Guevara, who is Senior Manager of Legal Advisory here at Pursuit. Maui was our uh, moderator. And so this audio is actually taken from a webinar that we held just a few weeks ago. And this topic is just, it's so interesting and it's so asked for that we wanted to bring you this conversation on the podcast as well. So as Jim always says, sit back, chillax, and enjoy the episode. Thank you, everyone, for attending our webinar today about the AI-driven legal transformation and navigating the future of the corporate counsels and outside counsel relationship. So today, I'm actually going to be starting with a few housekeeping items before we dive right in. The first is that the chat and question and answer features are available. So I actually encourage all the attendees to discuss and also uh, pose questions to one another in the webinar chat feature. If you are looking to address a question to the panelists, please use the question and answer feature. So we will be able to see those questions, field them, and we are going to be planning to answer some of them towards the end of this panel process today. So the first thing that we're going to do is cover a few introductions for our panelists today. Then we're going to have a panel discussion with some preset questions and leave a pretty good chunk of time towards the end to do some Q&A. So with that, I am actually going to start introducing our esteemed panelists today that are going to be joining us for this conversation. I'm very excited to have them, and I'm just going to go around the horn and give them an opportunity to, you know, talk and brag about themselves a little bit. So we are going to start with the first one up, uh, Chris Grant, who is the head of legal market engagement at HSBC. Chris. Thanks very much. So yeah, Chris Chris Grant at um, HSBC. I am head of legal market engagement, which is a job title which um, everybody scratches their head around. Ultimately, it's looking at our external spend and thinking about how we can do more with that. So drive some efficiencies around that spend, either reducing it, thinking about who we are spending it with, thinking about how we can change processes internally, thinking about technology that we could bring in to help us do things differently. I've spent longer than I care to remember within the 
the legal space and particularly within legal operations, having done a number of roles, mostly within the financial services industry, doing carrying out CEO roles and also managing external spend, but also spent a good chunk of time working with Barclays Ventures and managing the law tech Eagle Lab. So focused very much on technology for legal and thinking about how we can drive change within the industry. Also a member of the Law Tech UK panel. So again, thinking about how we can put the UK at the centre of law tech. Of course, why would we not want to, but also helping to drive change again within the industry. So so that's what I spend a lot of time doing, making people change the way they do things. I'm loved by all. Great. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. So David, you are up next, Chief Innovation Officer at Reed Smith. Thanks. Hey, Chris, that's a, a great title. Well, I'm glad you're, you're loved by all. I'll, I'll work toward that objective. All right. So I'm Chief Innovation Officer, that's defined many ways by different firms. At Reed Smith, we've taken it really as a business transformation role. So rather than just say, hey, we're going to play with some shiny new tools on the edges, we're really saying we're designing what we should grow up to be over the next few years. What's the firm of the future? What's the lawyer of the future? We're looking at roles and incentives and processes and business systems. And, and so this discussion about AI, generative AI, you know, really fits into that. It's one of the tools we have in order to reconsider the uh, future. And so it, uh, I'll, I'll try to give that broader context to these uh, questions. Great. Thank you, David. And lastly, we've got Sean Monahan, Senior Director of Data Monetization at HBR Consulting. Great. Appreciate being here. So I, I spend most of my time really sitting at the intersection of law firms and corporate legal departments and helping to try to figure out how the two parts of our vast legal, legal ecosystem are, are going to work together. And, and that's largely sort of led to work in the, the, the area of data and how data can be used and leveraged to be more effective for helping to sort of inform the conversations and the decisions around legal spend is done at, at the corporate legal departments and how law firms can tell stories and, and help empower their clients. And then naturally in, in November of 2022 led to, hey, what can we do with it? What's this AI thing? Maybe we need to start digging in. And so I think probably all of us have thought about AI for years, but but that has largely been then the focus is how is AI uh, managed in the legal ecosystem? So, All right. Awesome. So of course, before we dive into the juicy content, I do have a little bit of a panel disclaimer housekeeping item to just say. Uh, the views and opinions expressed by the participants in this panel are those of the panelists and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of their respective organizations. Any discussion points addressed in this webinar are the informed opinion of the participants are intended for informational purposes. So with that out of the way, we are actually going to move into our first thing. And I'm just going to launch a quick poll, 30 seconds, get everybody's sense. And I will give this back, of course, to the audience of where is everybody on their AI journey? Everybody is at different stages. It's very interesting to see, actually, uh, all the industry reports that are coming out. I'm sure the panelists here today are also at different intersections of their AI journey. So would love to get a sense from the audience of where everybody else is. We've got some hotshots, that 3% in there, that are already pretty mature and sounds like they're training their own programs. Would have loved to have you on the panel today. You know, that's that's probably a very interesting group of organizations there. But as you can see, you know, everybody is still pretty early on. As Sean noted, this 
trend and wave really picked up steam starting in November with the release of ChatGPT. And that's really what started the kind of rush for everybody to understand and see where the utilization can be. So I'm excited to dive right in here and get the discussion started. So the the first thing I really want to get is a good understanding of again where the you know folks on our panel are in their AI journey. So Chris and David, this is directly uh, directed particularly at both of you. You know, could you share a little bit about your own AI journey? What stage is your organization currently in? And if you could talk to the overarching AI strategy that you have, you know, do you even have one? Are you thinking of developing one? How did you go about getting there? I uh, want to pass it on to Chris first, and then we'll touch on it with David. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Really interesting results coming in there. I definitely, I'd love to have a little chat with the, 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 those three that, that are doing well in there. I can talk about this from a couple of angles because I've seen lots of different journeys on it, having spent a lot of time on the law tech side of things, working with law firms and also some customers and clients that were really a bit more advanced in their AI journey versus also talking a bit more about where we are from an HSBC perspective, because I think both might be useful. I mean, we are HSBC relatively as an organization, we're probably a bit further ahead in terms of the AI stuff that we're doing. In terms of legal, we are um, relatively fresh to our journey on that AI path, though there is plenty that has been going on, of, co of course, across the organization. We're a, we're a bank. Why wouldn't we not already be thinking lots about what to do in this, this space? I think one of the important things that helps us on our journey, I think a, a useful thing from that starting position is having an organization that is clear in terms of what it wants to do around it its journey and therefore clear and, and articulated what we're able to do as individuals when thinking about it. So, you know, our policy is a, I say clear, it's not a no, but thinking about what we therefore deploy and what data is, is added to or accessible. So certainly not any of our client customer information, but thinking more broadly about how we could be doing things is definitely there. As a legal function, we have got a number of really smart people that are super invested in thinking about what the future looks like and really driving forward change and that definitely comes from from our gc that is very innovative and always thinking about what's coming next and therefore pushes the rest of us to do so so we are at the kind of things that we have been doing is bringing together kind of our senior leadership team to start to align them around what is meant by the AI and what opportunities are on the table. Because of course, there's, it's so broad. There are so many things that we could be doing, so many things that we could be thinking about. We're never going to achieve anything by, by scattergunning or just going off down our own paths. The power really comes from getting behind clear strategies and clear objectives. So we've gone through that kind of exercise of educating and informing to make sure that we're all on the same page and understanding what we're talking about here, and then starting to build out the strategies around what we could be doing. And that for us is a number of different layers. I mean, first and foremost, we'll always be thinking about how we can do it to better service our own customers. So clients to you know, customers to HSBC, but also internally our customers, which are the business, how we how can we be using that to bring efficiencies in the way that we're working? Of course, there's also plenty of thoughts as to how we can be driving benefits for within legal um, and how we can be starting to do stuff both operationally but also in terms of the way that we're doing our work. I think Sean is is, is going to add so much value around this because there is data aplenty and we've been talking about gathering data for a long time to get clarity around how we are working, how well we're performing, um, where we can find opportunities certainly from a, 
a cost perspective in terms of doing things smarter. Now we're being able to build that data set and AI is allowing us to then do different things with that data that we're starting to build up. So that's kind of touching on where we are still early stages, lots of planning, lots of thinking about what we could be doing, but we've got the remit and the ability to do something in that space. And certainly what I've seen previously is a lot of excitement where there is the deployment of AI challenges around being able to access that because particularly I've been working with kind of startups that are thinking about how to do it, but have been able to access law firms and others where actually they've gone further in terms of testing it and have really started to look into what results are coming out the other side. But that also throws up a load of questions. Great. Thanks, Chris. And David, would you be able to opine there? Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, we are, so Reed Smith, we, we are progressive, but also recognizing the quality of the results are still not strong in a lot of areas. And so rather than try to rush in and say, hey, we've picked a vendor press release, this is our partner, we, we wanted to really be the deepest in understanding and pushing vendors and learning. Uh, so we're, we're doing several things. One is we are piloting all of the um, big content-based enterprise systems for, for legal. So obviously case text, they disclosed their Thomson Reuters acquisition today, Harvey, and then we're the first firm to jump in the pilot with Alexis Plus AI. And, and we expect to be the first firm on the Bloomberg GPT platform that's uh, coming in a few weeks. Um, and so those are, and then there's a, a few others emerging that are also great content plays. And so our approach has been, we, we've got a couple hundred of our lawyers in these pilots and, and we're literally doing testing against each other and saying, let's try, we've, we've compiled about 80 use cases. And so we're trying them in each area and, and learning from each. And then we have weekly meetings with each of those parties kind of at the R&D table to push them and say, here's where you're great. Here's where you suck. Here's, you know, let, let's evolve this together. And so it's very interactive, but it just shows you how early these systems are. So I would say, and it's, you know, I'll talk about where we, the roadmap as we go through these, but so we are, so that, that's kind of the, the global research perspective, those tools mainly focused on yes, research, but also the drafting and summarization and those those big use cases. And then we are also in working again at the R&D table with vendors like Intap and Latera who are adding on AI to their products, of course. And so we are, in some cases, uh, I don't know why we tend to be pushing boundaries so much. We're just eager to have more mature legal technology. We can be 10 years behind other markets sometimes. And so some of those areas, like we're really big on AI-based time management, You know, let's stop typing in timesheets to figure out what we did all day. Those types of things um, are, there's AI and sometimes it's generative AI, but those use cases, uh, frankly, will become the everyday. We'll, we can talk more about that, but uh, building that into the systems we use so they don't, so they're not as um, manual as they should be. And then um, we find, uh, what I, I probably find the most interesting is being able to take our uh, internal information, all of our expertise databases and experts databases and relationship analysis that we do, and then all of our document content and bringing that forward into, you know, usually you try to do that with a good search and then now elevating that to a generative AI interface. 
Um, we're, we're doing that a bit custom, but also a bit with some of these vendors. And so I think that's a fascinating space. Just, you know, we've got um, 32 offices around the world. And so, and, and we're onboarding 600 people a year. And so just how do we give those people the, the access to our collective intelligence around the firm? That's, that's a big deal. And then there's a lot of legal departments on, we're, we're actively having discussions with our clients to say, how do we engage you in all of that? And we can get that into more. But so that, that that's something that I'm probably doing each week is speaking with a new client and understanding where they're going and then talking about what we're doing and trying to figure out how do we how do we do it together? Because that's we're, we're part of the supply chain, right? We can't do this independently. Yeah, no, that's a great point, David. And I think, you know, now turning to Sean, this is a great area for you to to speak on is, is that collaboration, right? What are you seeing on both sides and how far are people pushing it or taking it back? What's kind of the general sense in the industry right now? Yeah. So obviously, I think this is following this pretty standard hype cycle of new technology. It doesn't surprise anybody that there's extreme hype, extreme excitement. Everybody thinks this is going to change the world. I'm starting to hear more and more of a little bit of the, the trough of despair. We've piloted, you know, to some use cases and they're just not, not quite getting it where we need to go. Dave, you kind of even, even mentioned, you know, that that's sort of starting what you're, you're, you're starting to note. And so I think there's a little bit more realistic kind of conversations happening now around what this is going to actually do. Um, I also want to just make a nod um, largely to the, um, the, the, the panel or the, the, the series that's in the Three Geeks blog about sort of breaking down some of the hype cycle or specifically around the sort of the 44% of legal task number that has been thrown around earlier. 44% of legal tasks could be automated by AI. I think they did a pretty good job of breaking that down. So I think something to look up as you think about sort of how this is getting ingested in the legal system. But I think what we're really finding is an interesting sort of process that people are undertaking around around really starting to dig into these use cases and recognizing what kind of investment is going to be necessary to actually do the work, right? So people sort of look at ChatGPT and say, this is great. I could put an idea in and get a result. But when they actually go to try to apply it to a, a more sophisticated activity, they're starting to see challenges around how much training do I need to give, give models? How how specific does my use case need to be? Are these tools really fit for purpose or is it going to kind of give me a more generic answer? So I think that's sort of largely a little bit of the, 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 the process that we're seeing people kind of go through. Interestingly, and I think this is really similar to what, what both of you noted, was that um, really sophisticated legal departments, especially sophisticated legal departments that are kind of far along on the, the clock maturity model, that kind of idea of, you know, how mature an organization is, is interesting that those types of organizations are largely seeing, I think, that when they go to find business use cases that these tools are meant to apply, they've actually already automated or maybe even outsourced a lot of the sort of low-hanging fruit that they've already started, right? And so what they're looking for sort of saying, well, how am I going to apply this to kind of some of the more sophisticated work that I already do? And the question kind of being, well, actually, I don't really have really great AI use cases internally, but I have, I, I know that they exist and they're likely with partners that I have with my outside counsel or ALSPs or other people, maybe the conversation needs to be with them to talk about how they're going to leverage it. 
I think one of the other challenges too, and I'm sure there's a number of uh, legal departments that are that are on the call now, which is, I don't, I'm not really sure how to navigate all the tools. I'm just getting inundated with emails and LinkedIn and everything about what's true and what's not true. And I think one of the hard parts is if the organization is not fully invested in AI, right? As as you noted, you know, HSBC investing in AI makes it a little easier for legal to kind of bootstrap off of those efforts. If the AI isn't a core foundation of the business, it's a lot harder to look for legal use cases, which means you tend to need to kind of fall back to the vendors. And then the last thing I want to note too, that I think is really interesting is we're in conversations with general counsels and others about sort of what their expectations are for their law firms. And um, we did a recent panel. One of the things we found that was really interesting was that while I think early on there was some, some trepidation around whether law firms could or should be using some of these tools, I think the expectation right now is not only that the outside counsel should be using these tools, um, but they should be aggressively pursuing opportunities to find ways to do this. And bringing those opportunities, just as David's doing, to the legal department to say, hey, we've discovered this is super valuable. Let us help you walk through this because they there's a little bit of an easier incentive for law firms because they are specifically legal to be able to kind of pull this through. So it's a little bit what we're seeing broadly in the market in terms of the relationship between the two. No, that is actually very interesting because I think as you noted, it touches on some of the things that Chris and David were talking about, and I would love to actually pass this back to them again to get their points on this, about that collaboration and a little bit of that sense of that economies of scale, right? You start to realize, hey, the impact of generative AI, large language models may not be as significant or immediately apparent right now. So who is actually best placed to utilize this tool and how is that actually going to change? you know, that 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 work actually going to change. So I'd be interested to hear, you know, from Chris, what do you think is going to be the big impact for your relationship with your outside counsel in this? You know, or is it going to be primarily you taking onshore more of the work and less to the law firms? Or is it you leaning on your firms more, a combination of both? And then I want to turn to David and, and kind of get his same sense, right? What is you what what change do you think it's going to bring to that dynamic uh, more broadly? Um, really good question and I, I totally agree with what Sean's just said in there I think there's a lot that we need to learn from the past and if we look at kind of just legal tech as, as a whole there's been lots of things that have been thrown at as solutions to the problems that we've got that have just been developed and grown in, in random silos um, we then get scattergunned with a million different contract solutions a million different pricing solutions like the, it, it just keeps on coming what we need to get back to is is things that have happened where things have worked well is actually that collaboration piece we need to get around a table and particularly with this when there is so much at stake in terms of what could be done and the kind of importance of getting this right we need to sit round tables and have conversations about how this is going to work in practice and where we can best focus it's one of the first things that we've done as a group and um, easier i think to a certain extent because we've got a large number of firms that we work with i've also been working with them for a long time so very capable very have a very good understanding of what firms are doing in this space because we've got the relationships which also means we can bring them around the table and not just firm on firm and doing four conversations it's one conversation four firms around the table and four firms that are 
very comfortable talking about what they're doing. It's it's this piece, of, and, and we'd see it time and time again, where it's holding on to the crown jewels and, and thinking about what is going to be the, the thing that differentiates fans from all others. It's not going to be the AI that we put in place that differentiates. It's the kind of customer service that comes around all of that and how that is impacted in terms of the way that it's delivered. So it, it, we've, we've got to get to that point where we are sat down, we are working as a collective, we're thinking about where this can best be deployed and then getting behind that solution, right? It is the economies of scale, it's sharing the risk, it's sharing the cost and accelerating delivery around it because if we can be absolutely focused, then we'll absolutely make something happen. So it will change the relationship and it will change the people that are sat around that table. I mean, Sean, again, you've talked about alternate legal service providers in there. There's plenty that's going on in that space and they've got the flexibility and the ability to maybe do a little bit more and at pace around that they've got a, a, a kind of seat at the table as well because it's that community that we've got to work out where the lines get drawn what is it that each of us do what is the role that each of us have to play within this piece certainly from the development perspective but as you say going forward who's going to be doing the actual work as a result of whatever it is that we put in place where is the best place for that to sit we as an in-house team will always of course be focused on we want to do more of the interesting stuff where we can really deploy our legal capabilities and our lawyers expertises and we want to do everything else quicker <laughs> faster and at less cost and however that needs to then happen is is ultimately what we'll be focused on trying to drive we want to be able to provide that 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 service to our internal customers giving them access to information being able to solve problems but also predict the risks that are coming up going forward and and working out how best to deliver around that ai is going to give us a lot of that information depending on what again solutions we're starting to focus on but it's not something that we'll we'll deliver on our own We'll talk about those things. We'll have the support of our law firms and the expertise of those law firms who know as well to be able to enhance that information and, and talk more collectively about what they're seeing more broadly in the industry so that we've got a more cohesive set of information coming through. So I've, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but, but back, to, back to the case in hand, it will be that dialogue that needs to happen where we will work out where things start to fall. We'll have greater expectations and that will only increase as we start to learn more about what is possible. But hopefully, doing it all together means we get somewhere faster. Well, and I, I would add for every HSBC that has lots of resources, I'm sure Chris, you'd say it's, it's still still limited, but there are, let's say, nine other legal departments that have three people or have one in ops or a part, you know, there, there's a long tail of, of clients that we have that are very small legal. We, we have large and, and small, but, but there's so many legal departments that are small, right? And so, let me just take that complimentary side for a second, because we have kind of assembled a really ad hoc panel of some of our clients, mainly those have reached out to me. And so some of them, the bigger ones will say what, what Chris is saying, let's work together. Let's figure out this journey. Let's some things aren't even AI. They're like, let's line up how we open matters. So that's actually a, a, an interesting theme that I see. Like we're opening matters. There's a lot of data associated with that. You're in our supply chain. You're opening matters a totally different way. You're calling them something different. Let's bring that together. That sounds kind of kind of boring, but it's these are the underlying pieces that make these things work, right? But then on the the smaller legal departments, they're saying we we don't have these. We don't have people around that can talk about these systems or evaluate them. We don't have access to Lexus and these tools, or if we do, it's it's more limited to evaluate. 
And, and so those conversations are early, but sometimes they're saying, hey, what if we you know, g- gave you our content, you incorporate it into your system, and then whenever I call my lawyer and ask a question, I expect them to know the answer you know, with a snap of a finger. And, and then sometimes I need to come into that and ask a question, but you've done all the work to make sure it's great. And, and so those are, it's, it's, that's a very interesting dynamic. So p- part of that is it may not be one answer, right? It may be that who's got the right resources to do this well. And for some companies that may do more in-house and some others that may say, hey, lean on your law firms more. And obviously if you have 20 firms, are you going to lean on one disproportionately? And for, you know, I would say if you're in a law firm, that's what you should work for, right? Lean on us disproportionately and, and we'll provide a, more service. So I keep using that word supply chain because I think, you know, we are, we're a service provider, right? We're a vendor. And the more integrated we are to the tool sets, the data flow, the processes, the roles, the the more helpful we are to the the client. So that's a, that's a big piece. And then I would say the other piece is, you know, we keep talking about AI, like it's magic and, and all the other, you know, look at the last nine things that were cool that we haven't done well yet, you know, and I'll pick on firms for a second here, managing our documents, managing our own contracts, managing outside counsel guidelines, having enterprise search. We're not great at any of those things. And, and so um, to suddenly be great at AI and not have done all those things great and not have them as foundational is, is kind of kidding ourselves. The, and so we've got to have our house in order for AI to sit on top of that and take advantage. Now we can lean on a Bloomberg, et cetera, for their own content. But if we're going to complement and do something that's more unique in addition, you know, what's our differentiator? You can't just ignore all the stuff you've been ignoring and then expect AI to magically solve that. And, and frankly, I, I've seen some demos the last few days from vendors where just emphasize that, like, here's a great interface, but I, I'm assuming you've got all your proposals in one place, you know, and maybe just add one more piece and I'll, I'll cut it off is so Reed Smith perhaps is unique in, in this that we have about 450 people in-house in, in the firm that we would consider to be alternative teams. And these are, and so part of what we're saying is it's not just how does AI impact the lawyer? It's really what's, how do we readjust those roles? There's a client's role, there's a partner's role, there's an associate's role. And then in our case, we have another 400 plus people that are also part of the legal team that are not partner track people. Some are lawyers, some are not. Uh, And so to us, it's not just an AI strategy, it's the firm strategy and AI is a tool and we're saying, how do we design those roles so we optimize those those roles? Um, and, and reducing, uh, and we keep talking about, hey, it's going to make the hours go down. That's bad for law firms. What other industry does reducing the cost of goods sold be a bad thing? It's like only in in law firms would reducing the cost of goods sold be seen as as death. You know, like that. That's usually the you know that's how that's why Tesla you know stamps out the front end of a car in one piece rather than eighty five, right? And, and so to me, this is a, an opportunity. AI, whatever you know, but this is part of the change to say we better get on board because the cost of goods sold is coming down. How do we change our model? How do we evolve ourselves so we thrive in, in a kind of market? Thank you, David. And uh, Sean, I'm going to go back to you first for this one, but I did want to challenge some of the uh, panelists here today and ask you, pin you down a little bit. And I know this is a question that we've gotten both in the chat and now also in the Q&A, but if you had to look into your crystal ball and say, hey, this is the place that 
AI and generative AI is going to have the biggest impact, what would that be? So Sean, I'm going to let you kind of chime in first on the first topic, but I would love you to take a first stab at that of, you know, your crystal ball of the one thing that AI may actually be able to impact uh, as a specific use case. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to hit some use cases because I think that's kind of where the rubber meets the road with a lot of this stuff. So um, I think that that's really key. I mean, obviously, we just saw in the survey, it's way too soon to know exactly how these tools are, are really going to impact service delivery. But the reality of it is if you kind of break them down to their component parts, they're particularly good at only a few things. And so then when you look at the work that to be done, um, or the the opportunities that are there specifically in legal, you know, you start to kind of narrow what these what these tools can do. So a few of the the ones that we see that are, I think are particularly compelling in the near term are sort of what I would consider the four corners opportunities. So you wanted to apply a large language model, not to like all data that you've ever used or anything you've ever done as an organization, but to a question around a specific document that you trust and you know is accurate. So a good example of this is a Q&A on things like policies. We've heard uh, several examples of law legal departments sort of being able to say, we get tons of questions on a particular policy, and it sort of takes up a, a, a whole sort of level of our legal departments that are supporting our businesses, where it would just be great if somebody could ask the first line question to uh, to the policy and get a response. So, you know, can I, even simple stuff like, you know, do, can I can I expense checked bags, right, in my travel policy, things like that, right? That's a perfect example of how you can use some of these tools really effectively to start to kind of weed out some of the low-hanging fruit, I think, in terms of some of these tools. So it's a really exciting use case, and I think one that, that um, people find pretty compelling in this area. Another one is, I think, regulatory monitoring. So one of the things that's you know highly regulated industries, you got to look and see what's happening, what's changing. It's exhausting. It's huge volumes of information that have to be summarized and, and managed by professionals. This is a really great opportunity to kind of use that, that process and build a little bit of a workflow to kind of take, take that information in, ingest it, and get that information to the right people at the right time. So I think those are really good use cases. A few that we've seen you know, pop up recently in law firms, and there's just been a bunch of news articles and things around it, is sort of this private chat GPT. So it's not really tied to a specific use case. It's just, I can, you know, probably one of the limitations if you talk to any law firm or legal department is you can maybe use some of these, you can maybe use some of these public tools like ChatGPT, but not for private data. Don't put any IP in there. Don't put any, you know, confidential information or privileged information or, and you start kind of lowering the capability of this tool if you can't use it for the actual work. And so the real question is, can you set up a little bit more of like a private chat GPT that is behind your firewall, behind your tenant that allows you to sort of ask the questions that need to be asked? I think that's a great use case, right? Because now, now you can let people explore and actually get creative about the use cases that they want to have. And that gives you a little bit less of that risk that David was talking about in terms of how often we've seen, you know, really great tools that don't actually come to fruition because people just don't uh, spend the time to kind of figure out, well, what is the defined use case? 
since this is so exciting and people are so interested in it, it's a great opportunity to kind of look at it and say, okay, we're going to build this sort of platform out, let people explore the use cases themselves, and then we'll get more and more and more focused as we go. And then the last piece that I think is really interesting and is, is kind of key is I call it like the reawakening of other AI. So as, again, as we've sort of noted, there's been AI going on for, you know, if, if you want to define it broadly, you know, five, six, seven, eight years in terms of uh, predictive analytics, on all sorts of really interesting use cases that people have. And what we're seeing, whether it's vendors, whether it's law departments or, or law firms, is to sort of almost dust off those efforts and say, hey, we've had actually a, a compliance uh, AI program for years. Let's just talk about it in this new context and get people excited about adopting a tool or a capability that maybe can be branded as AI, but actually isn't, isn't part of this sort of new large language model concept. So I think that's those are sort of really interesting kind of use cases and a really interesting ability to say, hey, don't forget the stuff you did before. But if you've done anything in this space, dust it off and make it sort of clear that this is actually see if you can get new traction because people are interested in this topic more than they were, I think, when we were trying to build a business case for it. And then I think to your last question, where do we see this going with sort of the efforts? I really do see that probably the biggest focus, and this goes to a question I saw as well in here, which is, I think the biggest focus is largely going to be impacted, the largest impact is going to be on that sort of early associate work that involves similar tasks around things like drafting and reviewing, right? So if you if your time entry says draft or your time entry says review, you're likely to be in a situation where the work that you're doing is going to be impacted by this in some way. And so the question is, can you almost go back and look at all the efforts that have been done in that area, whether it's you know, time entries that are coming in from your outside counsel or LSPs, or, or if you're a law firm, look at your own efforts and sort of say, anytime I see those two concepts, right, can I include that? I'd probably put research in there as well, but I think we all know that research has sort of slowly gotten out of the lexicon of description of legal services because of the way that, that we've indicated. So I think probably, you know, draft and review are going to be kind of the two big uh, watchwords in the future that, that you can start almost disaggregating the work. So that would be my take. Great. Chris or David, whoever wants to take a stab at the future. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. I was going to let you go. Have, have a go again first. All right. I think mine, there's general themes that I think Sean's touched on there that I absolutely, absolutely agree with. And I'll kind of talk around those a little bit. But I think one of the first things that we'll start to see is actually, a, it'll be a simple start. Um, we, we've already got lots of FAQs. We've already got chatbots that are off and rolling that are providing services to our internal clients. It's easy enough to now start to deploy AI against those to make those a little bit more functional and start to introduce how AI can be used, get people com comfortable with it and familiar with it. The data is already there. We've built out reams and reams of playbooks. FAQs are all sat there, good to go. We've already got chatbots off and, off and working, but it's very functional. It doesn't take much to flip that over to have AI start to look at the the data that we've got, the questions that are being asked and start to give much more rounded answers and then also start to flag issues, risks and concerns because every single time we're doing that, building up a bit of a data set. So I kind of see that as, as definitely where there's a starting point absolutely around the reviewing and the initial reviews of documentation, being able to maximise 
the time that our lawyers are spending so it's focused in the right areas and taking away that high value high volume low value work and being able to at least get us a better starting point whether that's document review or doc generation you know it starts to to, to move itself in the right direction the regulatory one couldn't agree with anymore i mean particularly in the banking industry and thinking about what the work that has to go into generating and delivering some of the regulatory reporting that we have to do which involves multiple data sets being able to access so many documents and pull the right information through very you start you finish one and you start again and actually you'd already started it before you'd even finished the last one that could immediately lend itself to being able to run more effectively through the use of ai and even then starting to model where changes start to happen from regulatory perspective or jurisdictional laws that start to impact on the arrangements that we have in place that becomes a much easier exercise so it then leads me to kind of that interrogation of data and the information that we start to to, to have um, access to which brings us that ability to not only evaluate risks for ourselves based on changes that we're seeing but also then start to predict what's happening next and you know that that could be no more clearer in the space of around litigation employee litigation all of that stuff starting to come through which again putting my pricing back hat back on as we start to be able to do kind of that risk analysis and predictability piece it will help to steer therefore our decision in terms of what to do do we even bother to litigate this let's just settle before we've even spent a penny we start to get to better answers and whilst i'm on the pricing bit because i will always go back to that and ha- having that uh, question in around the billable hour always always fires me because ultimately we want to move away from and we're absolutely adamant about moving away from the the, the the hourly rate if we are then billing based on output um we will still pay um if you become more efficient brilliant we see that with alternate legal service providers right now we will agree a piece of work with them they will agree a rate and we'll come back to the next year to renegotiate what we're going to spend on it the next year and they will say we'll charge you the same thing because they've worked out how to be more efficient in the background um, and become more profitable just because they've brought in new technologies or done things in a different way and i'm still happy to continue paying ultimately where it is if, if we move away from what is this chain of the early rate which you know it is all about making sure that you your revenue is maintained it's making sure you're hitting all your targets as long as you're doing that yes you will have a problem when it comes to being more efficient in terms of the way that you're delivering things you'll be able to pick up more work you will therefore you know you'll be able to better service more clients and you'll still be able to charge but also just because you put ai in place doesn't mean i won't pay the same price as i was paying before because you're doing it quicker and faster in fact i might pay a premium because you're doing it a little bit quicker but that conversation won't be had if we're talking about the hourly rate. And then how do you get to that position? You use AI to help you price, right? All the data's there. So that's my final bit of what the future might look like from using AI to help us. Uh, Chris, I'm thrilled you brought that up because you're right. You talk about uh, forming new company in the corporate sector, right? You're doing private equity deals, you're doing M&A and getting a deal done faster to some of the clients I've spoken to, that, that's much more important than the absolute cost. Or And so you're saying I'd pay the same or maybe even a premium if you get this done, deal done in half the time. And so there's all, all kinds of opportunities. But I, I would also take a little bit of a left turn to say we're, we're talking about AI, but generally we keep thinking about generative AI, which is this little tip of AI over here, you know. Um, and, and what we've kind of where the spotlight has moved off of is all the other aspects. And one of those is around machine learning data science and the things that 
Chris and Sean are bringing up, some of those are data science things. You want to understand if you should litigate? You want to understand what's happening in the market? What are my upcoming risks? Those are data science questions. And generative AI can be the interface so which you can better understand them. And so they, they're they not two different things. But And so we are, my investments are greater in the data science world today than they are in the generative AI because Generative AI is speculative. It's, you know, we're in the AOL stage of the internet. Like it's cool. It's a lot better than it was, but it's pretty, it's kind of sketchy. You know, it's working, it's working on it. Data science, fully mature. There's nothing we're waiting on. We're just in our own way, right? And so nothing standing us from being great in that space. And so I, I would, I, again, I'm sorry for the small legal departments that don't have uh, ability to invest in either of these things, but and I would say the same with small law firms. I think this will start to separate the sophistication. If you have the luxury of being able to invest in in data science, you know, through yourselves or through a third party, whatever, and generative AI, I, I don't think you can really pick one and be great because generative AI is just a way to predict what the answer should be. You know, it's it's a really stupid system that says, I don't, I don't understand your question. I don't understand my answer, but here's the words I should be using in the right order. And, and so you've got to have some intelligence underneath that, that provides that, that data, uh, whether it's content or structured data. And so it, it's not a very fun answer, but I, I would, I would say data science is actually, I think the real today differentiator that makes a business Great. And if you're a legal department, call your law firms and say, what are you doing? Sure. Talk about everybody's asking about generative AI. Ask them in the same question about data science. What are you learning in the data science space that you can help me learn from? You're doing the work. I'm your customer. How are you helping me with that? I, I think that is it's AI. It's still part of the AI question. And most of the time, the questions about generative AI are just saying, what are you doing in the AI space? And so I don't think you're going to get responses in because most firms aren't doing much in this area. I think they'll generally talk about generative AI pilots and they'll talk about e-discovery. But I think learning from data globally, I don't mean just the firm's data, right? Industry analysts and getting ahead of it, looking around corners and all the things lawyers like to say, law firms should be helping you. And it's another way to get a premium, right? If I help you avoid a litigation or understand a regulatory risk, that's another practice. But yeah, data, 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 um, AI on top. Great. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for, for kind of your thoughts on that. I, I stand right there with all of you. I really think that it is going to be as a vehicle to your data. It's interview your data, understand your data. Generative AI is going to be king and actually being able to explore it quickly and more intuitively for you know the layman user and not having to learn Python or any of that, that data science stuff. Um, so I'm going to jump into a quick poll right now before we launch into the final topic that we're going to talk about today. So essentially... It is collaboration. So the last few questions that I'm going to be asking David, Chris, and Sean are going to be around how do you actually start talking to your outside counsel? Or if you're outside counsel, are you the ones bro broaching this topic with your clients? Or should you be broaching this topic with your clients? What is an effective method or way to start this conversation that's going to be fruitful and actually valuable for both of those participants? So would love to get a sense of everybody on about where are you in, in this conversation? 
And all right, so most folks on the call have not been discussing this with their outside counsel at this time or their client at this time, right, for the law firm participants. There are some, a good chunk, 25% that are discussing the possibility and eight that are actively involved in this collaboration. So I want to pass it back to our panelists, actually. And really, you know, we can start with Chris and then go back to David and then finally Sean. What is a good way to start this conversation? What approach should people be taking or thinking about? And and what what tips would you provide them to make sure that it's an effective, fruitful conversation? Really good question. Because, I mean, from our perspective, it's not been hard to trigger the conversation because everyone everyone has been talking about it and that's not just internally but i mean externally as well we are being it's a a a weekly occurrence there is somebody talking to us about what's going on i mean when first we heard of harvey i literally um was sat at my desk with lawyers watching lawyers come in through the lift lobby with eyes wide like it was christmas because it's finally like we can start to start playing with things and, and and touching things and it's all excitement so it's a bit of how do you corral that and focus that so that you don't then have what I was talking about earlier on, just a plethora of different conversations that go nowhere. So how can you really harness and lock that down into something that means something? We are very much open to, as David's been saying, you know, the firms are that bit further ahead because they have to be and because they can in terms of thinking about what we could be doing and where the use cases are. I mean, we have ideas, certainly have ideas, but actually the real value comes from the firms telling us what they are learning because they're that little bit further ahead on that journey. So talking to us about where we could be really actively doing something and where we could therefore be having that opportunity to work with them on some of the stuff that they're testing at the time. And there's plenty of challenges to getting access to these technologies or access to these tools when you're sitting particularly in a heavily regulated bank where you know it's, it's a hard, hard enough for me to get onto a Zoom call. So you know th- those challenges are there, but being able to whittle it down to and learn from and have these ideas presented to us and we're not looking for the big game change ideas, right? It doesn't have to be we're about to take a whole team out. You're not going to need these lawyers anymore. It's all going to be done by AI. We're not interested, right? It's that actually here's the discrete little piece that's going to show that this works, that's going to be able to demonstrate that there's a change that your lawyers are going to want to get behind as much as our lawyers want to get behind. And we've already done six months of testing it out, and we'd like you to kind of get involved in that test piece now. So it's harnessing it. It's what There's so much going on. Really leverage those contacts that you've got within the firms. Often they're quite hidden, and there's plenty that are doing lots in this space and not talking about it. There's plenty that are doing lots in this space and that are talking about it are both are fine welcome to all but sometimes you might just need to to dig before you 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 find the right person i mean certainly you know we're a big organization we've got a lot of buying power and therefore there's plenty that are desperate to come in and and services but you that doesn't stop you asking the questions of your the the law firms that you're working with and, and the contacts that you've got there i think that's that's a good starting point but like i say narrow that conversation down as much as you possibly can we don't need to completely change the world right now yeah, I would just add, re- reach out to the partner you work with. My, my title is a chief innovation officer. Everybody's got one these days. There's like a hundred of us. Even if you're not an innovative firm, you got to have one. And so find my title in your firms and reach out. And I don't to say that's how you do it. I would say do it because that's the only way things change. 
That's why diversity programs happen. That's why billing changes. That's why fixed fee happens. That's the way innovation happens. And so you as a, as a client calling a law firm and saying, this is a priority to me, what are you going to do about it? That That's what gets budgets committed. That's what gets people hired. That's what puts people in the hot seat. So I, I, I you know, I would urge you that only 8%, I believe, said you do it. I would say, hey, the other 92% get out there and, and that makes the change uh, happen. And I, I think the official answer is pursuit. You've put together an, an RFI. You've asked us to review and I haven't done it yet. So I, I think <laughs> we're also helping to uh, provide a mechanism to do that uh, in a more standardized way. I just wanted to jump in really quickly because I saw the question that we've just come through where actually there's the challenge to getting law firms to actually respond and in even charging to get some of that advice. I mean, look, yeah. um, there's strength in numbers, right? Reach out right. to others. We've got a great clock, work, uh, clock network that, that is definitely there from an operations perspective. I'm happy to link arm in arm with anyone that wants to go and have a conversation with a law firm around AI. So it, it is flipping it. That, like, Don't just feel like you're on your own buddy up with someone right increase that kind of power that you've got from a spend perspective and and go and have that conversation i'm sure they would jump at the chance to have that conversation right david so we're all coming to you <laughs> well no it didn't say that any of your responses just no good responses so yeah. maybe they're getting something it's just not, not picking to the wrong picking speaking right. to the wrong people yeah, yeah exactly yeah i mean i think I, I certainly echo everything that that the team has said i want to you know it's always sort of what's old is new again but i think largely when there was a when there was a big push to sort of have conversation a big push to sort of say law firms should start to have dialogues with their um with their their clients about what what they might need it those sort of manifested largely as let me come in and ask you law department what you need and what law department said back was please just tell us what you can do, right? So come to us with the answer. Don't come to us with a bunch of questions, right? And so I think to the extent that there is an opportunity to come to the conversation with real meaningful actual applications of some of these tools or knowledge or, or, or creativity or thoughtfulness around this, I think that's going to be helpful. And I think that's largely you know, this may be, we've talked a lot about sort of, you know, the concept of disruption and innovation, which is an overused term, but it's often sort of thought of as like LPM was going to disrupt the legal market because, you know, everything was going to be fixed fees. Um, you know, all these different tools and technologies were going to disrupt the legal market. I think this one, I don't, I don't know, but this one might have the chance to actually do it. If I think law departments are in a position to start picking winners and losers in terms of who's really doing this correctly, right? That's the whole thing. If you don't have winners, if you're not picking winners and losers, I think you're you're really going to struggle. And then the last piece that I would just say for law firms and, and uh, legal departments is make and it, it echoes what David says: make the connection at the ops level, right? If you're if it's at the lawyer to lawyer level internally within these pieces, it's going to be a real struggle to I think get the traction that you need to make meaningful change. But if it's legal operations on the law firm and legal operations at the corporate legal departments, even if you don't have the formal function, just the concept is worth worth the focus area because I think that's where the, the real traction is gonna happen in this area. So I think that's where I think these conversations need to be had. And if you haven't developed that connection between the legal ops and the law firms, do it because it's really valuable and it can bring a lot to the conversation.
All right. Well, we have just reached uh, the end of our session for today. I want to thank the panelists really, really quickly and express my great appreciation for all the insights that they provided us. As David uh, subtly dropped in there, you know, Pursuit is working on a standardized RFI approach. So really, we want to encourage this communication and discussion with your firms, and we want to give you a starting point. Right, a very easy deployable tool and template to actually issue out to your firms to get a baseline understanding of what are they actually doing out there and where can we start this conversation from. So again, thank you to the panelists. Thank you for the attendees. I hope you found this super valuable. And if there's anything else, you can all find us, I'm sure, on LinkedIn, chase us down, and we will have a recording and resources available after this call. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the show. For more, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please connect with me, Jim, the host of the show, via email, jim at pursuit, P-E-R-S-U-I-T, We'd love to hear from you.